Hello, and welcome to the Hardcore Zen Podcast. My name is Brad Warner. I am the author of Hardcore Zen, Letters to a Dead Friend About Zen, Don't Be a Jerk, Sit Down and Shut Up, Sex, Sin, and Zen, Zen Wrapped in Karma, Dipped in Chocolate, and a bunch of other books about Zen and other stuff. This podcast is sponsored by you out there. Your donations are what keeps it going. If you want to donate, go to hardcorezen.info slash donate. That is hardcorezen.info slash donate. There you will find links to my PayPal and Patreon accounts. Those are my only way of making a living, and I really appreciate your support. But as always, this podcast is offered for free, so you don't got to donate if you don't want to donate. All right, today's offering was recorded on October 27th, 2016 at Benedictushof, which is a meditation and retreat center in Bavaria in Germany. And it was recorded during a retreat. And my question to the people who were there attending that Zen retreat is, are we wasting our time? <laughs> I thought it was an interesting question, and I think the talk came out pretty good. It begins with a long quotation from Kobunchino Otogawa Roshi, who was the teacher of my first Zen teacher, Tim McCarthy, and it is probably from the book Embracing Mind, but I'm not absolutely sure. And then I talk to the folks about whether we're wasting time at this retreat staring at walls, and maybe you'll be interested in that answer. Anyway, here we go. Here's the recording. Okay. <laughs> What would it be in Spanish? Anybody know? Uh, what's 20 in Spanish? I don't even know. Vente. Eh? Vente. Vente. Vente siete. Vente siete. October, probably. Niju nana niti. Jugatsu niju nana niti. Or niju shichi niti. Hi? Gangbei. Gangbei. Gangbei, is that Chinese? Yes. Kampai. Japanese. Yeah. Yeah, for my uh, beer that I'm drinking. I just want anybody who listens to this later to think I'm drinking beer. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it looks like vodka, but it's actually beer. <laughs> it's clear beer. You know, the story I've heard is Chogyam Trungpa. Do people know who he is? He was a Tibetan Buddhist teacher from Tibet who came first to England and then to the United States. And apparently when he would give a Dharma talk, he would have a bottle this big of vodka and be drinking it the whole time. <laughs> and he would finish it. Uh, I don't know what his talks were like, <laughs> but some people liked them. Yeah, I was just thinking about God, and I was wondering whether God wonders where God came from. Uh, this is uh, Coben talking about trust. Trust is contained in sitting. Stillness is another way to express what trust is. For example, if you're lying down in bed, imagining that you are on a mountain, waiting to be hit by lightning, you do not trust that you can, but you do not trust that you can face death that way. You will immediately jump from the bed and run away from the lightning. But this lightning was in your imagination. 
Actually, this life we are experiencing day by day is not something in your imagination, nor does it turn out just as you have imagined it would. In stillness, day after day, you have a new opportunity to see yourself. Many, many new things happen, new people and things come into your life. They make an impression on you, and thus you are carried on to the next day and the next. Without giving your loving mind your trusting mind, it seems no life remains. Living in this universe all alone, even in perfect knowledge, still doesn't satisfy you. The last word Dogen Zenji spoke on this was, forget yourself. This was not just a denial of yourself, as in, I'm no good, I'll just forget myself. It's not like that. As I have said, you go into a different perspective of yourself. Maybe you give yourself a broader room. Forgetting yourself and trusting at this point feels the same to me. To forget oneself is, with knowledge, to give up your human way of perceiving things and give more room to see what is actually happening to your own self and to all other existences. When you forget your small self, the whole universe appears. When we talk about trusting, about believing in something, or faith in something, we tend to think about this with a flavor of religion or a spiritual way. And yet, when you look into your daily activity, helping others, taking care of children or sick people, or working on making something for many, many days, you begin to understand what it means to have faith or trust. There is a great power in it. The word power is probably not suitable, but the capacity to merge one's life force around or within others is what I'm talking about. An example would be if a person were to accidentally fall into a fast-flowing river and everyone panicked wanting to go in, but looking at the tide of dark water they immediately identified with themselves with the person who was floating away. That's me. If I go in, I would be just like that. The power or belief is when one knows how to swim such a current without hesitation, without fear, just jumps in and tries to add their force to this sinking force. Deep knowledge about things and skills trained into your system are the contents of your belief or confidence. I'm talking about limitless, ceaseless trust. Otherwise, nothing happens. You are just sitting on a merry-go-round, eternally waiting for something to happen. Let's go back to Dogen Zenji saying, to meet your true self is to forget yourself. As long as your brain is entangled, your knowledge is entangled with your own self-dynamic, inside of your skin, you are still blind. I mean that your state is still in utter darkness, so there is no way to identify yourself to anyone or anything. Other people are utter strangers. Animals are kind of ghost-like, wind-like creatures to you. You have no feeling about them. In such a state, even if you feel you are a very fine human being, a pretty good shape of a human being, you, uh, still you are alone in this universe. It is, the state, uh, it is like the state of Dr. Faust in Goethe's, Goethe's Faust. Where does trust begin? Trust is certain knowledge without listening to others, an intuitive field. 
Without speech, you understand others, empathize with others. Even if you cannot take the place of another, you are able to reflect others' experience within yourself. In other words, this is identification of yourself and others and the differences between you. It is not a state of guessing or an analytical conclusion by which you understand others. It is immediate understanding of others. In this busy, heated, fast society, we often feel helpless in our effort to trust people and situations. We need to remember our trust doesn't depend on outside circumstances. Over and over again, we encourage others to fully trust, sorry, over and over again, we encourage ourselves to fully trust others and feel satisfied instead of worrying about some kind of return from the other end. This has something to do with determination that no matter what the other's condition is, you decide to continue to trust. Looking closely, we understand that there is a deep satisfaction in trusting others. Perhaps this involves ignorance, so-called blind trust given towards others. It goes only one way. <laughs> he always ends them in weird places. So that was a, a little Colvin for you. So, do you think we're wasting our time here? Sometimes I wonder, you know, you could be doing something, hear that? You could be doing something a lot more interesting, you know. There's all kinds of things you could be doing with a week of your time. You could, uh, you could go somewhere. You could go to Spain. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> go sit on the Mediterranean coast and sit in a chair, you know, one of those folding chairs. Just look at the ocean for a while. That would be nice. You could do that. Or you could go shopping and buy shoes and things. <laughs> you know, there's probably all kinds of shoes that you could buy right now. <laughs> Wouldn't your life be better with those shoes? <laughs> or wouldn't your life be better if you were looking at the ocean and instead of looking at these walls? Being terrified of the bee that was coming in. <laughs> I don't know, I do this, I do these, uh, these sessions and I lead them and I <clears throat> sit and I do this stuff. And I guess I must not think it's a waste of time. But I only guess that because I think, oh, I've done it so much, I must not think it's a waste of time. Um, and I guess it's had some kind of result or some kind of benefit. I mean, I know this is true. But sometimes it's difficult to say exactly what that benefit is. Because you, if you start making claims for it, you just sound ridiculous. You know, I, I, I mean, I see this a lot in the, every time I pick up a meditation magazine or something, there's always advertisements in the back that, that say, you know, you're going to change your life and you're going to experience peace and bliss and happiness and all this stuff if you, if you sign up for the guy's course and he looks so beautiful. 
you know, he's, he's just, he's got his picture, and he's got his robe on, and it looks really beautiful. And you go, oh, maybe if I sign up for that course, I'll, I'll feel happy. Um, I, I haven't signed up for those courses, but I'm guessing once you get there, you just like, shit. <laughs> well, this doesn't make me happy. <laughs> It's such a rip-off, the whole thing. <laughs> um, you know, so when you, when you make those claims, it, you know, it, 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 just, it just sounds crazy, because you, you, you can go in, and it's very easy to go, oh, you know, this didn't happen, nothing happened. And yet we still do it. I sometimes wonder, I'm just saying stuff, you know, I sometimes wonder why I ever believed in this. Because I was young, and I should have been doing interesting things. <laughs> and yet I listened to this crazy guy who said, oh, you should sit and stare at a wall, and it'll help. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Doesn't feel like it helps. Oh, no, no, just keep waiting. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it, a, give it some time. Okay. <laughs> you know, and I just went on and on and on with it. <clears throat> and sometimes I, I just wonder why, why I was so stupid, you know. Why, why would you do that? I, I, I might have told this story last year, uh, but I'll tell it again anyway. I was at Tassajara uh, maybe two years ago, three years ago, and, and I was uh, doing the... Um, I was assigned to be the, the doshi, which is the leader of the, the, the service for a service, because they started doing that to me. So I, I had to wait for my assistant, uh, which is called a, a, a jiko? Jiko is what they call it there. It's basically the person who hands the incense, like Aneta was doing, but they do a little bit more at Tassahara. It's more of a ceremony. So I'm waiting, and, and she arrives, and, and I'd, I'd been there for a, a few weeks, so I knew this person. She was, um, what was her name? Claire, I think was her name. She's 19. And I'm just, I'm just standing there, I'm saying, why is a 19-year-old girl here, I said to her, in this place? And then I thought, oh no, wait a minute, that was me too, <laughs> when I was 19, you know? I wasn't at Tassahara, but I was, I was doing the same stupid thing at that age. Um, thinking, <laughs> thinking it was going to get me somewhere. You know, you have just this life. I mean, who knows? You might have a million other lives to go through. Sorry, there was something on the floor, I, I thought. Anyway, you might have this, you have, might have millions of other lives, but even if you do, uh, they aren't this life, you know? So, so, uh, so even if you want to believe that, this is still the only life that's this one. And maybe, and maybe there is no reincarnation. Maybe this is just it. And so what are you going to do? You know, it becomes a... a to me, it was kind of an urgent problem. Like, what, what am I going to do with this? It's a, it's a significant amount of time, but it's limited. And... Uh, and you got to do something with it, you know. And some people, some people decide to to make 
millions of dollars. Uh, I, I was just looking at somebody posted on Facebook um, the salaries of the people who are the owners of the top insurance companies in the United States. And not only did it say how many millions of dollars they made per year, they broke it down to how much per day. And some of these guys were making $50,000 a day. <laughs> that's crazy. You know, that's insane. You know, that, that is somebody who is crazy. Uh, and, and, and we hold people up like that in society and, and look up to them, but we shouldn't because they're crazy. Um, I mean, it's one thing to want to make $50,000 a year. I can understand that. But $50,000 a day? That doesn't make any sense. There's not enough shoes. <laughs> There's not enough shoes or pornography or cars or, or anything. Uh, that costs $50,000 a day. There's nothing. There's nothing you can do with $50,000 a day. Nothing. Um, but how can you trust this person? I, I wouldn't trust. I wouldn't trust somebody who makes that much money. But you made up the perspective of trust mm. in, your, in your quotation. Oh, I see, yeah. Well, I think that's a different kind of trust. I, 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 I read that because I thought it was an interesting way of talking about the practice. So I don't think he's talking about necessarily, well, he is kind of talking about people, but he's talking about um, faith and trust. And I guess you would have to trust somebody like I guess you have to trust everyone. Uh, of course, sometimes that's a bad thing to do. But you have to have some kind of trust because of what we are. You know, like that bee who was flying around in the room. The, I think I said this, the guy I was talking to on the first day who came to this retreat last year or two years ago, I can't remember. Last year, I think. He's keeping bees, and he said, one bee, a single bee, uh, dies when it's below 40 degrees below zero or something like that. There's some certain temperature. But a hive of bees can live even if it gets colder. And so, so you have to consider the hive of bees to be the entity. So maybe the hive of humans is the entity. But there's something wrong with the humans, you know. I think that's the problem. Uh, we've somehow gone gone wrong. We we figured out a lot of stuff, but we've we've gone wrong, uh, and uh, and we've become a danger to ourselves and to everybody else. And I don't know what the solution is because we can't we can't go back. Uh, we can't go back to what we were ten thousand years ago. So we have to keep moving forward. I think there must be a reason. This is just me seriously just talking bullshit now. But I think there must be a reason that there are humans. Uh, it's, something, it's something that 
and this is you know, me being weird again, but it's something that, that, that is wanted by the universe, by the earth, by something. You know, I, I feel like every, every manifestation on life, of life on earth has a, has a kind of a, a, a role to play. And, uh, and most, of them, most of them already know what their role is and they just do it. Uh, but we've somehow gotten confused and we don't know what our role is. You know, I don't think, I don't, there's some sheep. If you go up the hill up here, there's some sheep on the hill. You can go walk right up to them. I don't think the sheep are confused about what they do. They seem reasonably happy, but we're not, we're not so happy. <laughs> um, we're too smart to be happy, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, we're just going to keep sitting. <laughs> I'm surprised nobody's... Well, a couple of people have left, right? But not, not for the reasons I would expect. <laughs> I would just leave because I'd be like, wow. <laughs> Why am I doing this? But we don't leave because we're kind of curious. And I think we, we're trying to find something. We're trying to find... Uh, I don't think the meaning we find will ever be clear the way we want it to be. It'll never be God coming down and saying, the purpose of your life is to you know, then give us the answer. Uh, and yet you can kind of get a, a bit of clarity or a bit of, a bit of uh, some kind of understanding, uh, even if it's not an understanding like that, somehow. Why are there speakers? <laughs> All around this room. <laughs> Maybe microphones. Ah, are they listening to us? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they give lectures here. There's a lot of them. Mm -hmm. yeah, so okay. useful lectures, and uh, sometimes there uh, some. <coughs> Musicians who play into these rooms, and so every room is, let's say, uh, has these loudspeakers and things like that. Oh. So we can use it in different ways. I think it would be too loud. Because I just talk and it's loud enough, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, a, it's a nice echoey room. I want to put a drum set in here and record it. Okay, good. Uh, what else do we want to talk about? What would you do if somebody else really thinks to know what role you have to play mm -hmm. and you, you don't have the chance to accept this role he, he is going to give you? Oh. I think that happens all the time. You yeah. know. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, Personally, I, I wouldn't trust someone like that. 
And I hear about spiritual teachers who do that to students who say, you should do this, or you know, you're, you're doing this wrong, or you're doing that. And I think, oh, why? why? Because I, I think of it from my perspective. I can't imagine telling somebody else that. Um, because I don't know. Because I, I don't know what they're supposed to do. I don't know why. Um, so, uh, so if someone else told me that, I, I think, why, why are you saying that? <laughs> why do you, why do you think you know? Uh, I don't think any of us knows. We're having enough trouble trying to figure out what we're supposed to do. But sometimes, if there's a specific job to be done, you can, you can say, okay, your role in, in this, in this making this project, your role is to do, you know, whatever it is. Your role is to paint the thing red, whatever, you know, whatever the thing is. Uh, that you can do. But when it comes to a bigger sort of, like, what is our, our role in the world, or our role, our, our existential role, oh. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think I could uh, listen to that. Uh, let me give you an example. Um, okay. We were in the uh, in the Vesak conference of the UNESCO, uh -huh. and there were two young uh, ladies, uh, lawyers from Los Angeles. Okay. Buddhist, <laughs> Worst kind of people. Buddhist, uh, Buddhist people. Okay, Buddhist lawyers from Los Angeles. Yes, yes. <laughs> it sounds like a TV and show. They, they, uh, they reported about their work in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. and their clients were small estate and house owners. Okay. And they had to defend them in a law case against a big in, uh, investment and uh, building company who wanted to get hold of these houses. Right. And it was fantastic how they fought for this, uh, for this uh, small estate, small house owners. Oh, that's great. And then there were uh, some Buddhist celebrities. Oh. <laughs> they said, this is completely wrong what you are doing. You are intervening to the karma of these little house owners. It's their role mm -hmm. that they get with. It's, you, you are just this completely non-Buddhist the work you are doing there. Really? Because they did not accept the role <laughs> this investment company wanted to give these house owners. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust Buddhist celebrities. <laughs> I don't know that... I mean, I sort of understand that this... But it's... I understand where it's coming from, but... Um, you know, the, the role... You can't say that their role is to just... Uh, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Because, because uh, the, the lawyers do what, what lawyers uh, do, and, and they, they make a change in, in how things happen. So, uh, so they're not interfering with their karma. They're, they're part of the, the system. I mean, nobody, nobody, has, nobody has, like, some special knowledge... Uh, and there's no, there's no karma outside of what we do, you know? Uh, there's, there's nothing 
there's, there's no sort of vast uh, uh, decision-making board up there that, that, uh, that, that decides your role in life is, is this or that. You, you're, you do it, and if you find that you're, um, you, uh, you want to change it and you, and you can try to change it, then that's also uh, your karma. So maybe those Buddhist celebrities are interfering with the lawyer's karma to, <laughs> to be lawyers and, and fight the big uh, owners. I, I don't like Buddhists. <laughs> I don't know. Most of the time, I, I just find the whole thing a little ridiculous. And what's happened? Uh, yeah, what happened? Well, it, it happened that at this conflict point, uh, most of the people don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Because um, you know, see uh, all these people coming to Germany now, they have to accept the role they, they, they are given oh. when there is built up a fence. My problem is that uh, I really appreciate your long-term pers perspective of trust, but the situation, what, what is to do when I get into a situation where there is an end of trust? Mm. What, what, is going, what, what are you going to do then? Mm. When, for instance, the law says uh, the workers have to get a, a, a certain amount of pay, and they are big companies in Southeast Asia, they simply don't pay it, mm -hmm. which makes that the people can't live on that. Yeah. How do, can they trust? Oh, I don't think they should trust that. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I think, I think our role is to try to improve life for everyone in, in any way that we can. Um, and, it's, and, and if you can make some change, then you should, you should do it. Uh, and it... And it comes up in the situation where you're able to do something. Um, and, and I think the, the, the situations are, are always immediate. So, so if someone is suffering right in front of you, you, you do something for that person. If somebody's suffering far away from you, uh, it's harder to make a change uh, in their life. But you can do, you can do small things. Uh, and, and if you can do those small things, you should do them. Um, but what they specifically are, I think we all have to kind of figure out. Uh, I, I, uh, 
I think people are starting to wake up to this, but uh, it, it happens very slowly and we're very selfish, you know? So we, we don't get it. Uh, and and I, I don't know how to, uh, how to change it. But yeah, it's not, it's not a matter of just, I don't think what he's talking about in this is just trusting this kind of uh, system. Uh, because the system is usually bad. But I think it's better, you know, it, I, think it's, I think we are constantly improving. And sometimes we forget that because we focus on the problems, which we should. But we forget that things were, were even worse in the past. So. So, um, so that's something, and I think we can always figure it out. The refugee thing is very interesting in, in Europe, because uh, what's, what's kind of funny to me now coming over here is when I'm back in, in America, everybody's going, oh my god, refugees, and you're like, really? Because there's like 10 of them, right? <laughs> you're really... <laughs> You know, it's really, it's really small because there's not, you know, it's very hard to get all the way across the Atlantic Ocean and everything like that. Whereas, whereas here in Germany, it's like a big, you know, you can actually see, you can actually see it happening. And you're seeing a, a major change take place in society. And everybody's, uh, everybody's always frightened of that uh, when that happens. You don't, you don't know where it's going to go uh, or what's going to happen. Um, did I tell the story about the people in Berlin who were taking the refugees? And uh, Did I say that here? I know I said it to you, but I, 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 this, is, this is kind of interesting to me. I don't know if there's a lesson here, but I'll just say the story. I was in Berlin and I was staying, this is about a month ago or maybe less, I was staying in this kind of hippie house in Berlin, a giant hippie house. I've never seen a hippie house this big. It was like six or seven stories tall. It was huge. And it was just hippies living in it, you know, <laughs> spray painting the walls and, and all this stuff. And uh, they're very idealistic people uh, who, who are trying to, you know, help the poor and help the refugees and do all this. So, but they're also very liberal sort of people because that's that's who gets into this so one of the things they do often is they'll take these uh, refugees in and give them a place to to live in their hippie house uh, and and they're often from Africa or from uh, the Middle East and one of the problems one of the interesting problems they have is that they are th these Berliners these young Berlin guys and, and women are, are very progressive in their attitudes, especially towards sex and women and equality and stuff. <laughs> yeah, see, you know where this is going. So they take in these refugees who have very different ideas about this stuff. And, uh, and, the, and the refugees often behave badly, you know. Uh, they, they, they don't understand what's going on. They're, they're trying to grab the women in the place. They're doing all kinds of things, and it becomes a problem. And I thought this was kind of interesting in its ironicness because, you know, the only people who would take these refugees would be the kind of liberal idealistic people 
who, who have a very different point of view, you know? Maybe if the conservative, you know, <laughs> repressive people took in the refugees, they'd all be like agreeing with each other. <laughs> you know, like, women should be in their place. And, oh yes, women should be in their place, you know? And they'd all be, they'd all be, they'd all be happy. Um, but instead, you have this kind of dynamic, uh, very uh, high contrast clash. And, um, and, uh, and that's interesting to me because that's, I think that's how the change happens, you know, somebody, somebody has to adjust, you know, and, and, and some kind of e equilibrium has to be established or the people can't live uh, like that. And, uh, and it just, it, it's just going to happen. And people can try to dig in and resist it, but, um, but it, it, it can't last for very long. Uh, you, you have to kind of uh, realize that there's a, there's a greater society and we have to kind of figure out how, how to live with it or, or figure out how to live apart from it in a way that makes sense, you know, like the Amish or, or, or those people do, I don't know. People don't know about, do European people know about Amish? <laughs> it's a very, I guess it's kind of an American thing. Although they were, I think they were Germans originally, the Amish, Originals. right? Yeah. Uh, but they, do they exist in Germany anymore? They, they all went to America. <laughs> hmm? The Amish? Yeah, so they, they kind of live outside of the society, but they, they, have, a, they have a kind of a balance with it, so they've kind of, you know, they agree to accept some things and, and not others, but they, they kind of manage. So you can do that, but you, you have to do something, and you can't, you can't fight it, you can't change it back to the way it was. I don't know. Life is weird. All right, there you go. That was what I said to the folks in Germany back in October of 2016. And if you would like to support this podcast, you can go to hardcorezen.info slash donate. That is hardcorezen.info slash donate. There you will find links to my PayPal and Patreon accounts. Those are my main ways of making a living, and I appreciate your support. But as I said right at the beginning, this is offered for free, so you don't got to pay if you don't want to pay. We will see you next time. Have a good time all the time. Bye.